0: We are in part two of a brand new series called I say Q and a and last week we learned that this is a what exactly and so anyway great to have you here today we are in part two of a series called Q&A last week if you were not raise your hand if you were not here last week raise your hand go get where were y'all at what was so funny too was this place was packed out last week so what if you'd have showed up we had to put more chairs So anyway, go get the CD from last week. You're not going to want to miss out. None of these sermons are necessarily connected to one another. They're all standalone sermons because this series is all about me as a pastor, here's what happens. People uh, always, once they find out I'm a pastor, have like a question. I'm like, oh, I want to know this. And usually sometimes it's a Bible question. Sometimes it's a life question. As a pastor, I get people, they email me, they call me, they want to come see me. And they, they got these questions like, hey, what do I do about this? Where's this? How's this? And, and people ask me questions. So when it comes to the realm of life questions, I decided I am going to take care of all of you right now. That's what, I, that's what my plan was. And so all of your life questions, what I found was, is we are all asking the same questions, Like, I don't know if you know that or not, because sometimes we feel isolated. Sometimes we feel like when we're going through it, that nobody knows what it's like to be us and nobody understands what I'm going through. And we would be misled if we thought that, because in all reality, we are all asking very, very similar questions. We are all because you know why, because we're all humans and we all live in this kind of fallen planet and we all deal with the same and we all live in America. We all live in this little valley, this little area. So we're all dealing with some of the same stuff. And so I thought, what if I could take some of the some of the top questions that I get and cover them on a Sunday morning? And that's really the, 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 the whole start of what this series is. And so last week we were we were in here and we were talking about something very, very specific about, you know, a life issue, a life question that we all deal with. How do I deal with my stress? Because most of us are stressed either all the time or part of the time we're dealing with stress today. I want to talk about something a little bit different. And it's something that every one of you are good for at least two or three of these per lifetime. Some of you, because of other reasons, you're good for a whole lot more. But here's the question I want to answer today is this is what do I do in a crisis? How do I stay confident in a crisis? How do I keep my faith in a crisis? Because like I said, you're good for probably two or three of them per lifetime. Can I get an amen? How many already got a couple under your belt so far? You got a couple cracks Crocs under your belt? Yeah, yeah. How many got a lot more than that under your belt? How many you want a lot more to come? Put your hand down. Now, so you just got in that hand mode, didn't you? You just, you were just down for me for whatever. So anyway, we're all good for two or three of them, but... How do you hang in there in a crisis? How do you deal with that? Now, here's what I've learned in, in, cause, cause again, because I'm the pastor when people have crisis, I'm w- one of the guys they go to. And so what I found is this is that there's about three reasons why we get into some type of crisis. Number, number one is this is that sometimes we bring it on ourselves. You ever, those are the worst, aren't they? Cause that's when not only are you dealing with crisis, but then you're kicking yourself for being the one that got you into the crisis, sometimes there's crisis that God brings on you. These aren't fun because then we, we were like, God, what are you doing to me? And we question and we're like, God, what is your agenda? Why are you trying to torture me? Or, you know, we, we, we that, that's one of them. And the other one is this is sometimes we're in crisis because of stuff other people do to us. And that one brings its own issues, too, because then we want to get bitter at the people that brought the storms and the crisis and the issues into our life. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to take a look at a story out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul, if you don't know who he was, he was, he wrote about two thirds of the new Testament. He was uh, at first kind of anti Jesus, anti the Christian movement. And then he has this amazing experience with God. God changes his life. And he says, man, I'm I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to make other people know who Jesus was. and So he becomes, in essence, like an incredible missionary. And so he has all these missionary journeys that he goes on. And for whatever reason, whenever Paul goes somewhere, it usually goes revival or riot. It's really strange. He has like a way about him. Like he would go into cities and sometimes like revival would break out and say like and hundreds of people got saved and then others were like, and then a mob formed and tried to kill him. And so he was, he was kind of like hit or miss sometimes with his missionary journeys and, and because of what he was doing. He eventually got got put into prison (laughs) And so he was going to be taken to Rome To be put on trial And on his way to Rome How many know when you're traveling from the Middle East to Rome They would go through the Mediterranean Sea And so Acts chapter 27 And it's funny too Because I would love for you in your own time to read 27 and 28 When you get a chance here it's like a real document. It, it gets real specific about ports and cities, and it's, it's a real, like, breakdown of, of actual historical events. But really what it shows you is this. is It shows you what people do in a storm. Now, Paul was surrounded by other prisoners and a bunch of other sailors. And, and it really shows you, like, here's what you ought not to do in a storm as we look at the life of the sailors. And then it kind of, kind of shows you, here's what we ought to do in response to... To the storms of life. And so before we begin, if you could bow your heads, close your eyes and let's pray before we kind of jump into the scripture. So, so God, I pray that as we just look into this, that, that, that Paul's life would be like our life and that God, we would glean from him and that maybe God, we would change our mind. Maybe we would change our attitude. We would change our response to when everything goes south. What do we do in a crisis, God? Speak to us. For those of, those of us who are in here today who are going through a crisis right now, God, above all, I pray that you would comfort them and be with them. And for those of us who aren't, God, teach us and guide us so that we are prepared for the next crisis to come. Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And if you're with me, say amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 27, the Bible says in verse number nine, it says, now I'm picking up kind of in the middle of the story here. Uh, it says much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. All that means is this, the day of atonement was a a Jewish fall festival. And so since it was fall, they were heading into the winter season where the storms were a lot worse. And so when you were a sailor, you would kind of use your calendar and you would avoid the bad seasons. Just like you avoid five hour, five o'clock rush hour. You're like, you plan your day around traffic, right? Same thing. You plan your day, you plan your life around the storms, but they were running into them, So Paul warned them, said, men. I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and even to our own lives. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on. Hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. I told you it's kind of a detailed description of land and cities and ports and all this stuff. It's it's even more detailed if you read the whole thing. So verse 13 says, And when a gentle south wind began to blow, they sought their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, here's what you need to know about these. This is the, the, the scenario that they're in. They're in a hurry. And so how many of you know that sometimes in life, just being impatient alone gets you into a crisis? Have, have you ever done that before? Like you're quick to get married. Yeah, uh, that ain't going to do good. Uh, you're quick to move, quick to take that new job or quick to leave this job or quick to go. Whenever you make moves in haste, how many know you're kind of inviting in the opportunity for crisis and storms and, and for wreckage to happen? And so in essence, this is where these guys are. They're like, we're in a hurry. I know the weather's... Let's just go for it. And because of impatience, they jump headlong into an incredible storm. As you're going to see here, it is a bad one. They go on to call it a nor'easter. I mean, it was just all kinds of bad. It all began because they were impatient. But really, you can see a few other things as to why... And you're going to recognize this. Sometimes you get into storms because you take the advice of experts. You ever done that? You ever had like... Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we sometimes we take advice just from wrong people. Let me me correct that out of the gate here. Be careful who you take your advice from, because I know too many people like I know guys, they're so dumb sometimes they will be in an argument with their wife, leave mad frustrated and then go to the bar with their buddy who's been divorced five times. And then the dude's like, you know what I told my wife? You know what? You you, are, you need to go home. You need to go tell her. that you, Why are you listening to that guy? That guy doesn't have a why. He had four of them. He ain't got none now. And like you're gonna take advice from that guy? You know we we don't take advice. You know we don't take financial advice from broke people. You know what I'm saying? We don't take. Marriage advice. So be careful who you take your advice from. You don't want to just take advice from anybody and everybody. But, but you even have to be careful sometimes in life from taking advice from the experts. And here's what I want to say to that. Is, is that you need to lean on not expert opinion as much as you need to lean on wise and godly opinion. And there can be a difference sometimes. Sometimes people are just smart. Doesn't mean they have wisdom. And there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There, there, there's a, so, so what he did was, and when you noticed was, is that the centurion, the guy who was in charge of the whole ship, he went to the pilot and he went to the owner and he took their advice. And you guess what we would think most of the time that would be really, really good. But here's why they were wrong in this instant is because the man of God had already told him, Hey guys, I'm not feeling good about this. God has said, God has spoken. And I'm telling you the ship, the cargo, your life, it's all on the line. If we keep moving ahead like this. And so whenever we are. Basically pushing back against godly counsel or godly principle for the sake of expert opinion. You're inviting danger. Let me let me put it like this. The Bible says that it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. So like when we're looking at wisdom, we're, we're not looking at again at just knowledge. We're looking at something a little bit different. Wisdom is kind of kind of uh, it has it goes beyond just knowledge. how I many know knowledge is information. Wisdom is knowing when to knowing what to do, knowing when to do it and knowing how to do it. Does, does that make sense? And being led by the Holy Spirit, having biblical counsel surrounding and That's where you really dive into the idea of wisdom here. It comes from people who have that godly connection. And they basically said, we don't really care what the godly guy says. We'll just go with the, the other guy. And they, but see, what's funny is this is they already knew it was bad season. So even they, the experts, looked at. You know, let's keep going. So, so not only that. Then, if you read down in verse number number twelve, it says. So then they took a vote. So the second reason many times we get into it is we go with what the majority says. Let me help you out quick here. The majority is wrong many times. I mean, there's, look when when you look at like polls and you look at like, hey, look at this many number of Americans or look most Americans are in debt. That doesn't mean that the, you know, let's do what the majority's doing. Does that make sense? Many people, like in the Bible, even you find this idea, like like when the Israelites got out of Egypt, they got into the desert, they took a vote. You know what the vote was? Let's go back to slavery. And then Moses is like, no, you're being dumb. Let's keep going. And so then they get to the promised land. He puts together 12 guys representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He says, y'all go check out the land and tell me what you see. And they come back and 10 of them are like, man, it's scary up in there. We can't go. And two of them are like, nah, we can do it. You know, so, so the majority sometimes is wrong. Sometimes Here's why the majority is wrong sometimes. is because sometimes when you talk about a culture, a culture is, is the idea of this, is that there's something in the water that we have bought into certain ideas as a culture, and we have normalized bad behavior. We have normalized sin. We have normalized things that God would never be okay with, because a culture is drinking the Kool-Aid, it's in the water, it's in everybody's mind, I get up and say something that's so uh, so counterculture and you're like, well Todd, that doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't make sense, it's because you've normalized something. You've taken something that's not necessarily godly, and you said, well because everybody else doesn't, because culture doesn't, and that's just the way it ought to be, and we throw out the Bible. And we throw out God, so sometimes be careful. Just because the majority is going that way doesn't mean that you need to go that way. And, and then lastly is this, is sometimes you get wrong guidance, from, from seemingly good circumstances. Like, here's what they did. Now, I'll reread the verse in case you, you missed it. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. Okay, so Paul said no, and they knew the weather season was going to be bad, right? Oh, but look, there's a gentle wind. Let's go. Sometimes, you know what I'm talking about here. Have you ever had all the circumstances line up? To where you're like, this has got to be, this is a sign. And you believed it was a sign. Like some of you, I, I'm going to make fun of some people here. So like, so like, I know people that go like overboard. It's almost like, it's like, you know, like, like, you know, like, dude, I met a girl named Sheila. And you're like, wow, like, tell me if she's the one. Why, how do you, why do you think she's the one? Well, dude, I was eating my alphabet cereal in the morning and my first bite came up and Sheila was in the spoon. And, and then, and then I was watching a TV show and, and, and the girl's name was Sheila And then when I met the girl at the bar, she had brown hair, brown eyes. And I just had a dream about a girl with brown hair and brown eyes. It's like, it's like the stars aligned. You're like, you are an idiot. (laughs) She is a psychopath and you can't even see it. You you don't, you don't know. You get what I'm saying? I'm kind of making fun of an extreme there, but sometimes we do that. Sometimes like, 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 you know what? I just knew I had to get those boots. I got a free credit card in the mail that morning and, and, and it was on sale. And then when I talked to the salesperson, they said that the boots brought the color of my eyes. And I thought, this is the Lord. Look at look at how God brought all these things together. And so now instead of being ten thousand dollars in debt, now you're, uh, you know, ten thousand one hundred dollars. So so like just because the stars align and seemingly circumstances line up does not mean that it's a go. Are, Are you hearing me here? This is just their scenario. I'm sure it's nothing like what you've ever done before. Other people that you've seen, maybe not your life, your life is totally different. So, so here's how they kind of get into this whole mess though. They start out basically kicking against godly wisdom, godly counsel. They kick against the apostle Paul and they run into an incredible storm is what the Bible says. And so verse number 15, let's read this here. The Bible says before very long, a wind of hurricane force, (laughs) I'm sorry, um, Paul's like, man, I told y'all not to do this. So before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Now, now again, now are, y- are y'all in the story? Are you picturing it? We at we this port. The gentle wind is blowing. And then we get out there and all disaster breaks loose. It's a nor'easter. The, we're in a hurricane for crying out loud. And here's what they do. And here's what I don't want you to do. There are, there are three things here that you see the sailors begin to do that I would encourage you not to do. The, the first thing they do is this. is If you, if you listen to the scripture, they, they didn't know what to do. So they said, well, we just gave way to it. Like we didn't know what to do. It was so bad. We just, we just began to drift. And I would say this. Don't drift. When crisis hits your life, don't drift. Many times we we do like I don't know what to do. So we just let the flow of life. We let the flow of the crisis. We let the flow of the circumstances just kind of take us away. And we don't stand our ground. We don't put down our values. We don't put down our principles. We kind of just begin to float and drift and go with whatever begins to happen. And I'm telling you this is that that's not the answer. The answer is not to become fatalistic and be like, well, I guess whatever happens, happens. No, 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 no. God's given you faith. God's given you the ability to act. God's given you the ability to do. And you don't quit and give up on anything, especially don't quit on the values that God has given you. Stay in the fight and hang in there. Number two is this, is they kind of continue on. And the Bible says in verse um, number 18, it says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day we just began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Hey, check, by verse 38, they throw over the tackle, and by verse 43, they throw themselves out of the boat. Okay, so so don't discard either, okay? Don't discard. Don't throw everything away in the middle of a crisis. I've seen this happen before. I've seen people, and families in particular, the family goes through crisis, and because the crisis is so hard to handle, the family splits. You ever seen that one before? The marriage splits. It, 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 like we begin to throw everything away. Sometimes life gets so hard that we think the best solution is just to run or to run away. And many times I've seen this in family dynamics and relational dynamics. And here, here's the problem. Wherever you go, there you are. Like sometimes the crisis we were talking about, the crisis is the crisis that we cause ourselves. You ever done that one before? But let me give you an example. Like... Like I know, I know certain people, again, I, it's, I don't know why we're talking about marriage so much today, but like been married multiple times. And when you talk about why, why they've gone through such a hard time in their marriages, it's always the other person's fault. Have you ever noticed that when you talk to them? That it's always so. But, but when you hear the story, you begin to see all these common factors and con- common denominators that when it got tough, they bailed. And they thought it was the other person's fault. But the only common denominator to all three divorces is. It's you. (laughs) So so just because you ran away and you thought you would just throw everything else away, you just began to repeat the same cycles. Does that make sense? And so I'm just saying, be careful. Don't do what the sailors do and become fatalistic. Just quit and start to throw everything away like that. Hang in there. And we're going to see why in just a second. The third thing they did, which was. I get, I, I understand this one. Of all the ones, this is the one that makes the most sense to me. I think I would have done this one too. And you're going to find out why. Listen to this. Verse number 20. The Bible says, so when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, by the way, it goes on to say it was 14 days. Can you imagine being on a boat? And you haven't seen the stars of the sun in 14 days. So it says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, meaning it wasn't like a sprinkling outside. No, the, It's raging. He said, we just finally gave up all hope. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd probably do that too. So the last thing I would tell you not to do, though, even though we'd probably all fall into this, is don't despair. Don't just throw in the towel and give up all hope. Have you ever had life hit you so hard that you thought, I just don't even have the will to live anymore? That's them. Now, I I don't know about you. The reason why I, I get this, though, is because the ocean is awful to me. I am not friends with the ocean the ocean is not friends with me. I had a trip not too long ago. It was probably about a year ago. I went out on a boat. And I'd been on this fishing, this exact same fishing trip before. It was a trip. We would go out of, uh, out of the north and we'd go out through the bay and we'd head out into the ocean. It was this fishing trip. And the first time I went on this fishing trip, it was kind of cool. It was fun. It was, it was pretty easy. Uh, the second time I took the trip, the, 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 the ocean was angry that day. And I remember going out and, 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 and they're all passing out Dramamine I'm like, no, no, I'm good, man. Stomach full of steel you're Fine. But that day was different. It was a very rocky day on the ocean that day. It was cloudy and rocky. And then then what made it worse was this, is that we went out far the first time. But the second time we went out that far, I'm like, hey, this is where we fished last time. And then we went another 45 minutes. So my stomach, oh, my God painful to think about. I remember we finally stopped and I, I prayed that God would stop the boat. I didn't know what I, I was so, I was so hopeless that I didn't know what to pray for anymore. You ever been there before? It was, it was so bad. Have, have you ever had your friend look at you? And then th- th- they just, cause I had turned such a different color of green and yellow. Cause I was with my buddy, Steve, he came over and was like, Hey, what's, Oh God. And he, he did one of those to me. And I literally am just hanging over the side of the boat, puking my guts out. And I felt like I have lost the will to continue. You feel so like life has left your body. I felt like if I fell in right now, I wouldn't have the strength to swim. I would just sink to the bottom of the ocean. now, Now listen, now I'm a big baby about the ocean, clearly. Can you imagine 14 days of that? Fourteen days, ba boom, ba bam, ba. No sun, no stars, and the storm just rain. I, I, look, I was out there for a few hours and lost the will to live. <laughs> they fourteen days, so we finally gave up all hope of being saved. I don't blame them for that, but I will tell you, don't. Here, here's what I say: because storms is different than crisis. If you've ever been in a crisis that hit your, your life so hard that you literally didn't know what to pray and you felt like you lost the will to live, I got some hope for you. Because I want you to do what the Apostle Paul did. Because again, it's a contrast. Everybody experiences a storm. We're all good for two or three of them per life at least. The way the sailors responded is one way, and I don't want you to do I don't want you to despair. I want you to throw in your values, throw out the hope, throw out, run away. I don't want you to do those things. What I want you to do is begin to respond the way Paul responded, because he gives us a blueprint for how do you actually handle crisis, the way God I think would have you handle crisis. Number one is this, and this is where I really want you to lock in, take notes if you're taking notes. Number one is this: is, is remember who it is that is with you. You've lost the will to live. You don't know what to pray anymore. You're ready to quit, run, give up, fatalistic. It's all bad. I'm done. Remember, Just just this will be the only hope that you have to start with. Just remember who is with you, because this is what Paul does. He begins to say this. This is verse 23. The Bible says last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong. I love that. It's not just, hey, I had a, I had a messenger from God. He goes, no, no, an angel from the God to whom I belong because you didn't know I'm his. I belong to somebody else. I'm on mission. Somebody's in charge of my life. And, and guess what? I've got a mission. I've got something going on. I've got somebody looking out over me. This is the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. And this angel stood beside me. And so this is the idea I want you to get is that Paul knew very well that he was not alone in this situation. When you, I got to be honest, people who don't have God in their life, I don't know how they handle crisis. I assume that they hit the pill, they hit the bottle, they get into dysfunctional behavior because that's where many people go in life. But for me, we have certain anchors and our anchor begins with the presence of God and knowing that God is with us and hanging on to that anchor. Knowing that that is the stabilizing force of my life that come hell or high water, I don't care how bad it is or how much you don't like me or how bad you treat me or how this much stuff falls apart. I at least know that I am not alone in this life. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 13, five, because God has said, never, everybody say, never. never, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, John 14, 16. And I will give you another advocate to help you who will be with you forever. I'm not going to go on about this. God is with you. And when you lose sight of who is with, because here's the deal. Many times in the middle of a crisis, it's easy just to focus on the storm. It's easy to focus on 14 days of hell on earth and I don't know that I'm going to make it anymore and to lose sight of the fact that God has never left you. Just because you cannot see God does not mean that he is not there. And when we begin to look at nothing but our circumstances or do do nothing but look at the pain, we will lose sight of the fact that God is right there with us even in the midst of our pain. Number two is this is, is remember where you're going. Like in the realm of like purpose, like in the realm of like every believer should have a sense of destiny. Every believer should have a sense of mission. If you don't, then, then you need to ask God. You need to figure out what that is, because Paul knew what that was. He was a missionary, so he knew he had a sense of purpose. like God had already told him, Paul, you're going to Rome. OK, that means I can't die here, then you got something to do in me and with me and through me. And you said I was going to get to Rome. So if you said I'm going to get to Rome, I'm going to die in the Mediterranean. Listen to this. The Bible says, this is what the angel said. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So God shows up with a messenger and God shows up with a message. Say, look, not only am I with you, I I got something for you to do. I got places for you to be. I got things for you to go and accomplish. Like there's more stuff going on. As a matter of fact, by the time you get into the next chapter, I'm going to give. hey, I'm going to give you this, this story. This is. Paul lives. Okay, spoiler alert, Paul lived. So by chapter 28, just a few verses later, what they end up doing is, is they end up kind of like running into an island. It ended up being the island of Malta. And the Bible says that Paul ended up praying for the daughter of the chief who ran the island and then they got healed. And then all of a sudden other people that were sick on the island were brought to Paul and Paul starts praying and healing other people. And he stays there three months with those people sharing the gospel with those people. There's something you got to do. As a matter of fact, when I and I wonder if people get weird when I do this, but sometimes when I pray for people who are in the hospital, or I pray for sick people. I say, hey, look, as long as God, you have purpose left in this body, we need this body to work. And so, God, we need you to heal this body. You know what? Because if you've got something to do and if you've got an assignment and if you've got a mission and you're on that mission, I'm telling you what, you will get to where God said you were going to be. Does that make sense? Number three is this. Remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. Verse twenty-five says this. So keep up your courage. Buck up, little buckaroo. Keep your courage, for I have faith in God, even though you don't. By the way, I have faith in God that it will happen just as He was told me. It's going to happen. Here's what you need to know. And everybody, everybody say, for every problem, there's a promise. One more time, for every problem, there's a promise. There's a promise. And many of us don't know what those promises are because we, our Bible collects dust and it's, it's, it sits in our nightstand or we maybe think about it on Sunday mornings. I'm telling you, for every problem, there's a promise. And many of us in life, we're struggling because we go through these crises in life and we have no idea what we lean on. God, what, what, did, you, what did you say? What should I do? What, what are you actually wanting to say to me? Can I just help you out? With your, the way God speaks to me. The most is when I open up that book and I get into those words and those words begin to illuminate whatever it is that I'm going through in life. And I'm telling you that when we don't get into the book and we don't know what the promises are, we go through problems. And w- I'm telling you, there's a promise for every problem. Now, you might not know what the promise is, but that's what I want you to know. I want you to discover. And so I want you to know that. L- listen to this. This is a great scripture. This is one of the promises that I, I think kind of umbrellas all other promises. Listen to this Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things. God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Isn't that what he said? That God is with me. That he has a mission for my life. And as long as God is with me and as long as God's got something to do in me, then there's a promise, right? There's a promise. And and here's the problem where we, I think, mess up and make a theological mishap with the scripture is, is never use this scripture for the person going through the crisis. Because this is what can happen. They're in a crisis and they're in meltdown mode. You're like, well, you know what? God did this and he's got a reason. And he... No, no, stop that. You love them. You throw your arms around them. You hold their hand. You pray for them. You do not start. No. It's not always the time. Because many times we take that scripture out of context anyway. And we try to make it think, well, no, God made that crisis so he could do something good in you. That's not what it says. Actually, let's look at what it says. The Bible says we know that in all things. That, that's the key to the verse. Everybody say in all things. Did God make that mess happen in your life? No, not necessarily. Probably not. By and large, I don't think God uses pain to teach you. That happens. But by and large, the Bible says this. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. We live in a fallen world and good things are going to happen and bad things are going to happen to every human being on planet Earth. It is a reality of living on this planet. Are you with me? The Bible doesn't say, hey, God's going to. It says that in all things. Look. God will begin to work for the good to those who love him. Does does that make sense? It doesn't mean that God creates disaster. It means that out of disaster, God can begin to do good things in you and through you. But we don't start saying, oh, well, you know what? God did that. You know, no, 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 no. God is not the orchestrator of evil. Does that make sense? Evil is the byproduct of when people don't live the ways of God. Evil is the byproduct of sin. Sin is the byproduct of God giving you free will because he wanted to enter into a loving relationship with you and void of free will. God can't love you and you can't love him. Are you with me? So it's in all things that God can bring out good. So be careful with how we do that. When people are in a crisis, you go love them. You go bless them. You go hold their hand. You go pray for them. But it's not time to start giving them theological answers. No, no. You let God work that out in them. Everybody say, all right. So remember, for every problem, there's a promise. Number four, and lastly, this is what Paul does. Acts 27, verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks. They dropped four anchors from the stern, and then they prayed for daylight. Sometimes all that you can do, sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do, is just hang on. We don't know when it's going to stop. Sometimes crisis went away. To... Can you imagine being in the ship? You think after day two, it's going to break. After day three, it's got to break. Come on, God, you got to help me. You said you said I was going to get to Rome. I feel like I'm dying here. I'm I'm starting to lose hope. But Paul didn't. Paul decided, you know what? I know who's with me. I know what he said. I know that I got an assignment and I'm supposed to be somewhere else. So in light of those three things, I cannot die here. So I'm going to hang on and pray. And sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is just hang on and pray. There's nothing more deep than that. It's just hang on and pray. Sometimes those storms, and if you've ever been through one, you know, sometimes they last for a few days, sometimes they last longer. I don't care how long it lasts, remember that God is with you, that you still have something to do, that there's still a promise to hang on. And then that's why we kick in and we say, we're just going to pray till daylight. Because in prayer, we will begin to remind ourselves that God is with us. We'll begin to remind ourselves of the promises that he's given us. And in prayer, God will begin to speak to us, to encourage us, to lift us up, to comfort us. But if we do what the sailors did, just throw, oh, hey, you know what? We're going to throw prayer overboard. We're going to throw faith overboard. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. God said, but he was wrong. And I don't even know that I believe in Him. He started throwing everything out the window. How many have seen people go through that? They go through that crisis and they go through that that storm of life and then all of a sudden faith just begins to go out the window. I want you to know, I want you to hang in there. Storms are, are not something that are just only something that's hitting your life and God's not picking on you. Storms are a reality for every human being on this planet. Sailors respond one way. Apostles respond the other way. I want you to respond like the Apostle Paul. I want you to know you can hang in there. I want you to know above all that God loves you and that He is with you. That God is not absent and void of pain himself. Sometimes we think that. We think God's so big that he wouldn't know and he wouldn't understand. I want you to know that God knows exactly what pain is. You know the Bible says that God's been divorced. It talks about him and the nation of Israel and their idolatry and their rebellion. It said, and God was divorced. You think God's never been through a divorce? You're wrong. You think God's never ever experienced rejection or pain or loss? God gave up his only son so that you might have life. He knows exactly what it is to lose his own son. Some people say it's the worst pain you can ever go through. It's one thing to bury your parents. It's a totally different thing to bury your children. God knows what that's like. I want you to know that God is not absent of pain himself. And the pursuit of life is not to avoid pain. The pursuit of life is to know God. And believe it or not, I'll leave you this last thought. Sometimes it is in our pain where we begin to know God the most. What I would encourage you to do is invite God into the pain. And invite God into the storm. And invite God into the crisis. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, I pray for every person here within the sound of my voice, God. No matter what it is that they're going through. God, for those... And you know what? Let, let's just do this real quick here. With your with your head bowed and your eye closed. If you're in here today and say, Todd, I'm in the midst of a crisis. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up in the air. So I'm in the midst of a crisis. This hell's breaking loose and it's not good. And it's kind of going south. And I feel like I'm being tossed around. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you. For those... God... I pray for those that have their hand raised, God, that they would just sense an extra measure of grace and mercy and strength that comes from your presence, God. I pray above all that they would know who you are. They would sense your presence, even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the confusion. They would sense, God, you are with me. God, I pray that you begin to speak promises to them. That, Lord God, as they know you and pursue you, God, that they would discover and begin to lean on the promises. That, God, that they would be focused not just on the pain, but maybe, 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 God... There's a purpose that you have. It could be right now. It could be for something down the road that, God, you might begin to reveal that to them. But above all, I pray that they would hold on to you and they'd pray for daylight. And so, God, I pray for everybody here. God, if we're not in a crisis, we might have one. I hope we don't. But if it does, God, we will be prepared. If it does, we will be ready. God, we're not going to throw everything out the door. We will pray for daylight. We will hold on to you. So, Father, we pray that you would help us As God, you walk with us through the storm, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?